Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. A Life of Try, that's our new series. Who likes playing Jenga, the game we featured in the graphic there? Any Jenga fans? You can play Jenga two ways. You can, yeah, you can. You can play Jenga two ways. The first way is that you can go around tapping the blocks until you find one that's really loose, and you can push it out, very low risk, and you can kind of make your way that way. The second way to play Jenga is the kind of who dares wins way, which is you look at the terror and then you choose a block and you are committed. If you touch it, you have to move it. You have to push it all the way out, regardless of how much risk is involved. Now, who likes playing it the first way? Who likes playing it the second way? Okay, so slightly more for the second way, the, the riskier way. Okay, which way do you think is the official way to play it? Who thinks it's the first way, the easy way to play it is the official way? And who thinks... And who thinks the second way is the right way to play it, the official way? Well, you're all wrong. It's the first way. They made, I checked the Jenga official rules, and actually they probably decided that they'd frustrate so many parents keep rebuilding the tower that they'd allow the kids to tap all the blocks and find the easiest block to move. But I actually was quite disappointed when I found that out because I actually prefer to play the second way. It's a bit more exciting and a bit more risky. Back in July, in our Greater series, Key did a great talk uh, on faith. I might just... Just quote from that talk she did back in July. She said this, Faith happens. Living by faith is happening. It is when we turn things that we can't see into things that we can see. We can't see God and we can't see the future, but our lives become the tangible things that people can see as the evidence of the things that they can't see. Faith becomes embodied. Faith is trust in action. Faith is something we have in the person of God, and also it's what we do with that faith. It's the way we choose to live our lives. It's not about having mental certainty. And she's summarized by saying, I honestly believe that a life lived by faith and in faith is exciting and is something worth living for. So a life lived by faith and in faith promises to be exciting But many of us don't choose to live that way because of one real reason. And that's the risk associated with that, the perceived risk. We fear failing if we step out into the things of God. I think if we're honest, we all prefer a life where we go around tapping the blocks to see which one moves easiest. And then when we find an easier course of action, that's the one we commit to. Today I want to look at a parable that Jesus told to explore this fear of failure that we all, to a degree, carry. We find it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. And in older versions of your Bible, it's entitled The Parable of the Talents. But in modern versions, it's entitled The Parable of the Bags of Gold. Let's read this, uh, this section together. Uh, this, section, this parable is used by Jesus to describe the kingdom of heaven. Many times he was asked, what's the kingdom of heaven like? What's it like when God fully comes? And so he tells stories and use metaphors and analogies to try and describe to people, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And this story, the parable of the bags of gold, sits inside that section. Let's read from um, chapter 25 and verse 14. I'll pop it on the screens for you as well. 
the parable of the bags of gold. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To the one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with the two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold, and see, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold, and see, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've also been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. See, I was afraid and went out, hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should put my money on deposit with the bankers. So when I return, I received it back with interest. So take the bags of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they will have will be taken from them. And throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So a story of, of three servants and a master with quite a dramatic ending. The first servant who received the five bags of gold obviously went with a very high-risk, aggressive investment strategy, didn't he? He got a 100% return on his bags of gold. Anyone know where he get 100% return at the moment? No. Okay, so, but he did. He went out and he invested those bags of gold in a wild investment and he got an investment on his return. He got five bags of gold back. He doubled the master's money. The second servant also obviously knew some sort of very positive investment strategy. He took the two bags of gold, he went out, invested it, got a 100% return on his bags, came back, gained two more. The third servant does something really odd. He doesn't even put the money in the bank. He goes and digs a hole and hides the gold in the ground. What was he afraid of? Well, it seems in the parable that Jesus said he was afraid of the master. He was afraid. In fact, he was so afraid of the master He was paralyzed into inactivity. He didn't even take the money to the bank where he gained at least some interest, some return. He was so afraid of the master. He knew the master was a hard, demanding man. He took the gold, dug a hole and hid it and just literally buried his gold and his head in the sand and waited for the master's return. This guy is so frightened of failing He's paralyzed into inactivity. He does nothing. And that's what we see in this section. Now, when you look at Bible passages, it's really important to think about context. 
Have you all seen the TV program, Location, Location, Location? Yeah? Well, with the Bible, it's context, 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 okay? So when you read a passage like this, what's the context of the words of Jesus? As I've already mentioned, this section sits inside some other parables that Jesus is using to describe the kingdom of heaven. So you have words like, it's like this, or it was like this, or it's like this thing, or this thing. He's using word pictures to paint an impression of what it's like in the kingdom of God. And so it's important to understand he's not endorsing slaves or servants or demanding masters. He's not saying these people are present in the kingdom of God. He's saying, let's use these characters to understand what happens in the dynamics of the kingdom of God. And that's really important. Because when we read a story like this, we can straight away jump to thinking that this is describing what God the Father's like. At some point in your future, he's going to come along and he's going to demand things from you. And if you've not done a good job investing what he's demanding, you're going to be in big trouble. Lots of weeping and gnashing of teeth is coming your way. And that's what you could possibly read into this story. I'm currently reading and studying with our team a really good book called How to Read the Bible Well by Stephen Burnhope. I can't recommend it to you highly enough. It's available on Amazon and no, I don't get a commission. Um, but Stephen's a good friend of ours. He's also a PhD in theology. His wife's got a PhD in theology. He used to pastor a vineyard in Aylesbury. They're now sort of semi-retired. And he wrote that book because they're both passionate about helping people understand the Bible better. And he talks in there, whenever we see a kind of divergence between the character of Jesus uh, and how God is displayed in other parts of the Bible, we have to basically go back to Jesus as our touchstone. He says this, if we see any divergence between the nature and character of the behavior of Jesus in the New Testament and the apparent nature and character and behavior of God in the Old Testament, we must say it's only Jesus who really reflects God accurately. So is the master in this story like Jesus? Yes or no? Wow, three no's. He's nothing like Jesus, is he? He's a demanding, overbearing, you know, He's somebody who harvests where he hasn't sown. He demands things that he has no right to. This isn't portraying the person of Jesus. So he isn't portraying the person of God to us. Jesus is using characters to exaggerate and deliver a point to his listeners. Because you have to understand, the, the people who heard this firsthand would have probably been around people like this master. They may have even worked for people like this master. They might have been servants or slaves who worked under demanding, difficult men who could demand things from them. They might have lived in fear of, of living that way. So when they hear a story about three servants, they go, oh, yeah, we understand that. And two servants who go and make these wild investments and then get returned and, and rewarded, they understand that. What they can't understand, probably, and they're slapping their heads, is why does this third guy just take the money and bury it in the ground? Knowing the master's going to come back at some point and knowing he's going to be in deep trouble because the master's going to want at least some return on his money. Why go and take your money and bury it in the ground when you know the master's going to return and he's going to want some return on his money? This story is the epitome, as I said, of burying your head in the sand and trying to ignore the inevitable consequences. The first two servants, they know the master's demanding and they know he's difficult, but they still risk investing the money to try and get a return. And their investment pays off. The only person who gets condemned in this story is the person who fails to try. He's the only person in this story who gets condemned. The person 
who fails to try. Now our Father God, we've just sung about him this morning, he isn't like the master in the story. He's a loving God. He sees you. We sung it this morning. When he looks at you, he sees you through Jesus. He sees you with unconditional love. He's loving and gracious to you. God doesn't entrust things to you and I with fear hanging over our heads. But Jesus tells a story in this way to deliver this point with exaggeration and, and a real driving it home. He says, well, imagine if these two guys could invest wildly and get a return. How much more can you invest in the kingdom knowing that you serve a God who loves you unconditionally and graciously? How much more can you partner in the kingdom? The only way we can fail in kingdom ministry is if we fail to try. I'll say it again. The only way you can, I can fail in kingdom ministry is if we fail to try. There's someone missing from this story, isn't there? We could do with the fourth character who took his gold, invested it wildly, and lost a lot. Because <laughs> that's what we all fear, don't we? That's what we all really fear. We make an investment, we make a choice, it costs us. This person doesn't appear in this story. Why? Why isn't this person present? In this story. Well we could imagine that maybe for Jesus. Failing wasn't a story worth talking about. This story is about a person who failed to try. Not a person who tried and failed. And so that character doesn't appear in this story. It's almost as if Jesus didn't think that sort of story was worth telling. But a story was worth telling. And exaggerating. And delivering is a story where a person failed to try. Do you worry about failing? Got two honest people in this congregation, about three earlier on. Wow, that's more like it. We all fear failure, don't we? To some level. We all feel fear failing in some way at some point. Might be you fear failing other people, failing yourself, failing to make the right decision, failing to deliver, failing to live up to expectations. The list goes on and on and on. We all live with the fear of failure. And it all exhibits itself in different ways in each of us. In fact, sometimes we're so preoccupied with not failing, we'll do anything to avoid it. We'll take our stuff and we'll bury it in the ground if that helps us avoid failing. But for Jesus, failing is a so little consequence, it doesn't even get mentioned in this story. He doesn't get mentioned. What does get mentioned and focused on is the failure to try. That's a kingdom story. That's worth telling a story about. That's what the kingdom is like. It's a kingdom where you and I get to try. We get to try stuff with God. Because the kingdom of heaven runs on people like you and me trying stuff for God. That's how it works. As Kelly said, faith is not what you believe. Faith is what you do with what you believe. So if you're a person of faith, you try and take your beliefs and you try and put them into action. You have a go. You try some stuff with God. And the battle for the expression of kingdom activity in your life is whether or not you are willing to try. That's, it either happens or it doesn't happen depending on your willingness to try stuff with God. And the thing that keeps you and me from making wild investments with God is the fear of failure. It's the fear that grips us all. And sometimes we'll take our gold and we'll bury it in the ground because it's a better option 
than trying something and risking failure. We'll find any excuse sometimes not to try. But you see, you and me are called to be difference makers. We're called to be kingdom extenders. And the only way that happens is if we try stuff for God. Anyone here watch our coffee chats that we do, our witterings on? We've got quite a following now. Instagram and YouTube. And if you watch them, you'll know that Key and I are a bit preoccupied with finding these things. Fossilised shark's teeth. We get down to the beach at Reculver and we try to find these things. Now don't worry, if you go swimming down that way, these guys aren't in the water now, okay? They probably went extinct around 50 million years ago. But they dropped their teeth, a lot sharks do, and those teeth fell in soft mud and over the millennia they got fossilised and they can be found down on the beach. And recall, if you try hard to find them. Finding these teeth takes a lot of trying. <laughs> it's very trying, isn't it? Some would say mildly addictive. Um, a lot of beach, awful lot of beach, awful lot of stones, not many teeth. And so um, they don't exactly jump out at you. You have to work really hard to find them. It's very hard to find them unless you try to find them. I think I've one person who's kind of walked along and just looked down, there it was. Great. We've tried very hard to find these teeth. Some are buried in the shingle, some are buried in the stones, some are a bit further out to sea. I particularly like looking at the larger stones on the beach and I try and lift them. Because underneath them sometimes there's an area that no one's ever sort of looked at. And so I try and lift these stones and try and find some teeth. Now I'm going to tell you a profound thing today. If you, if you, if you can take nothing else away but this one fact, take it away. You can't lift a stone unless you try to lift a stone. You got it? So I can't look at that stone and go, stone lift. I have to look at that stone and think, Phew, that looks heavy but I'm going to try and lift it. And some of the stones I try and lift, I don't mean lift them above my head, by the way, I just mean flip them over. Some of the stones I can move, and I can lift them and look underneath. Some of them I try and lift them, they're just too heavy. I have to drop them quickly, or I can't budge them. But I try to lift the stones, because I know I might well find one of these incredible things underneath. And what I love about fossils like this is I'm the first person to touch this thing in millions of years. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool. I know fossils. Yeah, great, okay. You see, I find them, we find them by trying. We've taken friends down there, family down there. Some love trying, some hate trying, you know. um, But we only find them by trying. And sometimes we get down there and we don't find anything. We've tried, we don't find anything. Some days we find lots. It's all about trying. But what we don't focus on is the failing. We just focus on the trying because we enjoy being down there and we enjoy trying to find these things. The kingdom of heaven runs on trying. When we were back in Birmingham, we planted a vineyard church in a place called Halzo in the Midlands. And after four years, God called us to go back to our sending church. And basically our church was basically amalgamated back into our sending church. Now, did we fail at church planting? Well, some people thought we did. Some people thought there might have been moral failings that no one talked about, maybe. Um, Some people thought there were financial failings that no one talked about. There must be a reason why this church kind of got unplanted. Well, for us, we just tried to do what God called us to do. We tried, we planted, and when God said, go back and and work with your sending church, we tried that. After 15 years, God said, go to Whitstable and try that. So we came to Whitstable, and we're still trying. 
We're still trying kingdom stuff. We're still trying to partner with what God encourages us to do. But you see, you only get the stories when you do the trying. You don't get the God stories without trying stuff with God. We'd all love the stories, wouldn't we, without the risk. We'd all love to have great God stories but not have any risk associated with them, like tapping those Jenga blocks till we find one that moves, and we'll go with that. But God says, try with me, move with me, try some stuff with me. Let's not focus on failure, let's focus on trying. Is it scary? Yes. Remember a, a lady coming into my office years ago, and she said, will it ever get any easier? I said, no. I said, once you get on this kingdom roller coaster, it kind of is a long ride. It's a fun ride. It's a scary ride at times, but is you choose to go on that journey with God. Just look at the life of Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus, the life of the disciples, the kingdom journey that he takes people on. It's not, it's not, it's not just cozy. Many of us would just love to you know, stay in that comfort zone. But God calls into our stretch zone. He encourages us into that place of partnership with him where the excitement and the stories are. Do you fear failing? Do we fear failing? Yes, we do. We, we face with that fear all the time. But as we try stuff with God, then we get to see God's kingdom come, like the people in the story. The only person who experienced the, the gnashing of the teeth was the person who failed to try. And so what might try look like for you? What might try look like over the next few weeks as we journey this series together? What would try look like if some of those fears of failure were kind of suppressed and subdued by God's Holy Spirit in your life? What might you want to try? What might you want to do? It's okay to partner with God and fail. It's okay. Because for God, it's in the trying that the kingdom of God is extended. So let's just close our eyes for a moment and just, just I want you to begin by just reflecting on the character of God. He's not a demanding master. He's not an overbearing father. He's not someone who is looking to take from you something which you can't give. The subtlety of the story was that each person in the story was given the amount of gold that the master thought that they could actually work with given according to that ability. So God won't come to you and say, I'm going to try and take something from you that you, you can't give, you can't deliver. God is desperate to work with you in the kingdom. He's desperate to invite you into trying stuff with him. So you may have had a, a great earthly father. You may still have a great early father. You might have a difficult earthly father. You may have an absent early, earthly father. Allow God to put into your heart and mind this morning the sort of father that he is. He's the father who loves you unconditionally. The father invites you into adventure. He invites you into trying stuff with him. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants to speak into your fear of failure today, your fear of trying stuff and failing. Let God speak to you about that this morning. You might have experienced failure in your life and that is stopping you now, paralyzing you from doing stuff because that you fear going through that again. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you about that today. And finally, if you, that fear could be taken away, what would you try? 
What would you try? It might be a small thing. It might be a bigger thing. But what would you try in God? What would you try and do? What, would you, what kingdom thing would you step into? So Lord, I just, I just pray be with us on this journey over the next few weeks as we look at this topic, God. As we try and develop a culture of trying our lives. God, take us all on a journey, I pray. And God, ask this week there just be a little opportunity for us to do something that we've never done before. Just a little thing, God, that you invite us into where we try something new. We try something with you, God, that shows our faith in action. So God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing this week, we pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.